You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is good? It's your boy Sosa Cremendez, fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and the host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Rams podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Today's episode is going to be about Hard Knocks Episode 3, which aired last night. Uh, the edge rusher position and the guys that will battle for time at that spot. And uh, who the most important upcoming free agent is, because the Rams got a bunch of them. So my guest today is a former colleague of mine and my former boss, actually, uh, at Turf Show Times. And current writer at Beyond the Horns, Joe McAtee, or as you may know him, 3K. Joe, my guy, how are you? Fudge! There you go. That <laughs> You couldn't have started off any better, actually. That's uh, right where we're going to begin uh, at Hard Knocks Episode 3. And if you watched it last night or you even watched the last episode, and maybe in the first episode, I can't recall if uh, you made any appearances in that one. But um, Clay Johnson, the rookie linebacker, every time he messes up, he drops a fudge. Uh, and actually that's one of my points here, which I, I do like listening to Clay Johnson speak. I think he's got a lot of passion, but, um, did anything stand out to you from yesterday's episode? I know there's a lot of filler and stuff like that, but, um, was anything funny to you or anything notable? Uh, a couple things. We can start with Clay Johnson. I, it's one of those things where it's hard not to like a guy. You know, the interesting thing I didn't know about him was his connection with, through his dad with Brett Favre. I had no idea. Uh, I watched a decent amount of him in college, but, uh, you know, for a guy to have that kind of pedigree and obviously be that deep into the game, I think we all know about Van Jefferson and his dad and those kind of things. And, you know, when that, when that becomes public knowledge, it's hard not to like a guy like that because they're raised by the game the same way Sean McVay was, right? But mm-hmm. uh, see, seeing him and, you know, you get a sense for how committed he is and the the lifestyle, right? There's a culture to football and you can tell he's embedded in that culture where he's over there chopping it up with who was it? Joe Barry at the end of the yep. scrimmage. And you can tell he just lives for that man. And so it's cool to see a guy like that getting his shot. obviously, you know, not, not high expectations, wasn't a high draft pick, but uh, for a guy that clearly loves the culture as much as the sport, it's pretty cool to see him, you know, growing up with this team. Yeah, I agree. I, I did hear something about Brett Favre back when he was drafted. I remember, I think they had like a, a FaceTime or something back then too. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's good to see a guy like that getting a shot because you could just feel the passion in his voice and just how he carries himself and everything like that. And ironically enough, I mean, the Rams are pretty weak at inside linebacker. So yeah. if he's able shot. to, yeah, absolutely. If he's able to separate himself in any way possible, I mean, this we're talking about a guy that was a day three pick, almost not even drafted, and he could actually start on a team that made the playoffs two out of the last three years, which is pretty crazy. But um, I don't know. Some of the other interesting things that caught my eye, like, I mean, Aaron Donald, I think, is probably a pretty good football player. I think it's fair to say that at this point. Uh, And a lot of the interesting things, actually, to me, were mostly highlighting the Chargers. And I feel like that's kind of where this season has been mostly. I I, I really liked, um, like, the whole Chris Harris stuff with him and his family. And I feel like... uh, the whole like vibe of their team, I, I feel like you, you're kind of getting a better eye and a better look at how their team interacts with each other. So like how Chris Harris and Keenan Allen were chopping it up and then how Derwin James is kind of yapping his mouth a little bit here and there. Um, so I really like that dynamic. I don't think it doesn't feel like the Rams are offering as much in terms of like player interaction and everything like that. Um, but I think Dante Dion continues to make me giggle. He's pretty damn entertaining. And not only that, but 
He's also an intriguing player for me um, entering the season. And probably the last thing that stood out for me was SoFi Stadium. I mean, it's, it looks magical, doesn't it? It's a shame that it's going to go empty this season without any fans or anything like that, or at least it seems like it's headed that way for m- pretty much the entire season. I think that's fair to say. Um, but wow, that thing looks just absolutely incredible. And it would have been an absolute spectacle to have been able to watch the team kind of perform this season and just see how the fans reciprocated in a stadium like that. It's very nice. Here's a question for you. Who's the worst rapper, Nas or Melvin Ingram? Oh, <laughs> you know, I got to go with my man Nas. I mean, Melvin Ingram's got some bars. Clearly, the guy, he's, he's talented on the field. He's talented off the field. But, uh, I mean, Nas is a man. I, I know you're not the biggest fan or not a fan at all, but you got to give some respect to a legend, no? Can't spell nauseous without Nas. Uh, one thing I did like, Tyrod Taylor's hair, man. I'm oh, buying on t Al Sharpton thing. He's it's got the Al Sharpton thing going on. And, yeah. and he had the one shoulder sweater thing rocking. I am, I'm buying Tyrod Taylor. Like for the first time ever. And, and you talked about it in general. There's a lot of talent on that team, man. They're, they're really set up to, to be a fun team this year if they can stay healthy. I know it's the Chargers and we're talking about staying healthy, but you know, you bring in mm-hmm. T Sizzle, you got Brian Balaga, you got all, you got a lot of things stinking up for the right time for that team. Obviously we're Rams fans and you know, I don't think we're ever going to be, you know, cheering for the chargers per se but man that's a that's a really interesting team i think it's cool to get them both on hard knocks because you know one by themselves especially without preseason football could get kind of thin but yeah Mm -hmm. i think you got some more out of the chargers in this last episode to support what's going on and i'm okay with that this season uh just because we're in such a unique situation but man they got a lot going on that i'm really enjoying and maybe nothing more than tyrod taylor's his whole his whole aesthetic was re- I'm, I'm buying on all of it. I love some Tyrod. I love me some Tyrod. I mean, I think he's a great player in general. I don't really think he's got he, a fair. He's, he's starting fair week time. one, right? Yeah. How long? As do you far think? As How long do you think he goes? Uh I guess it depends on the whole injury thing. But I think, like, I don't see any reason why he can't go 16 games. Yeah. I mean, it, it obviously depends, right? If they're, you know, four and ten at the week 15 or 14 mark or whatever, yeah, they'll probably go to Justin Herbert, right? But if they're as good as I expect them to be, which, like you said, they're pretty damn talented, especially that defense is crazy. Yeah, it's good. Um, I mean, like, I think they should be at least 500, if not, like, significantly better, maybe, like, 10 and 6. And now they are in a touch, tough division and everything like that. But um, I think one of the intriguing parts about it is that with that defense, you're not going to have to ask Tyrod to go out there and score 45 points per game, you know? Yeah. He's just going to have to do enough to win. And I think part of his intrigue is his mobility and that's always going to keep a team in games. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he starts 16 games. I, I think I, I would actually be surprised if he doesn't, but you know, it, it's all going to depend, I guess, on how good they're doing down the line. The good thing for them is as opposed to the last couple of years, maybe just the last two years, their schedule pre-buy is actually really good. It helped. They got, they got the buy in week 10 and they've got Kansas city and new Orleans. But other than those two games, you got Cincinnati, Carolina, Tampa Bay, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Raiders. That's a lot of winnable games, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all going to depend on their health, like you mentioned, because they've been really doomed over the last few years. But coming up in just a moment, Joe and I are going to discuss the Ed Rusher position and all of the players who may factor oh. into that spot at 2020. Oh, fudge! Yeah, all of it is going to be on the next segment of the Lockdown Rams podcast. And don't forget to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. 
You can find me at QB's MVP. You can find the page at Locked On Rams, and you can find Joe at 3K underscore. Folks, are you having any car troubles? You ever go outside to find your tires flat or your car just won't start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. There isn't a better time to support a family-owned business than right now with the strange COVID-related times we're living in. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and are looking for reliably low prices, you absolutely need to check out Rock Auto. Go to their website and check out all of their available parts. It's truly a never-ending list, and if your car needs it, they've probably got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com, and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us so they know that we sent you. So in the last segment, I teased the edge rusher position, um, and now me and Joe are going to deep dive into the players and the potential roles that they may fill in 2020. So obviously, entering the offseason, the Rams had uh, former starter Dante Fowler hit the market and it was pretty much presumed that he was going to leave with with uh, the year he had in 2019. It was very likely he was going to get paid. And obviously, he got a good deal. I believe it was three years and $48 million from the Atlanta Falcons. And so he followed Todd Gurley to Atlanta. Um, and then in a bit of a surprise to me personally, because I really didn't think the Rams were going to let go of both of their starting edge rushers from 2019. But they also cut Clay Matthews. And um, the money they saved was quite inconsequential. It wasn't a large amount at all, uh, which was, again, surprising to me. But... What do you think of the guys that are currently at that position? And do you anticipate really anyone being able to step up and kind of seize a starting role as opposed to just being given a starting role by de facto circumstances? Why are we talking edge rushers? We can do cornerbacks or safeties, uh, wide receivers. Fine. So, so we'll talk about edge rushers. Um, Anybody stepping up? I mean, the opportunity is going to, who's going to start besides Leonard Floyd? I mean, I guess Sands and Ebicam, right? Mm. Yeah, maybe. Is, is that somebody who has a lock on the position? Remember, they went 8-0 with Ebikim and Matt Longacre in 2018. It was supposed to be Dominique Easley, but he got hurt, remember? And then they traded for Fowler. Ebikim clearly didn't impress enough to get on the field a ton, got surpassed by Fowler and Matthews last year, although I guess Ebikim might only be stuck on the will side. I don't know if you can play Sam, but mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know that that's a lock for you know holding on. The, the same way we were just talking about Tyrod Taylor, there, there's n- – if, if, if Samson Abraham starts week one, we'd all be surprised if he's starting like week 16, right? I mean, like the, at least to give somebody else an opportunity, whether it's Obanai Okoronkwo, or I don't know, maybe Natras Patrick, I guess if they're trying to put him on the outside. But I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think the problem is they don't have great uh, – or Terrell Lewis. Um, he's going obvi- to have to flash, but I see Lewis kind of competing with Floyd on the other side. Um, the problem is they just don't have, you know, the options there. They haven't invested a ton. You got uh, Patrick and Lawler who, you know, clearly, and even Okoronko was what, fifth round? So they haven't yeah. really put a lot of money or draft capital outside of Epicum as a third and now Terrell Lewis to, to really think that there's candidates, even if the top of the depth chart isn't that spectacular, given given that Leonard Floyd comes in and may, I don't know, maybe he kicks inside. He might not even be a three down edge. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more interesting positions. I mean, like you said, they didn't really invest a ton into that spot, and they really haven't over, I mean, the last handful of years at least. Um, I mean, their biggest additions, Leonard Floyd, like you mentioned, who's probably going to start at Sam and probably going to stay there for most of the time. Um, and then obviously you got Terrell Lewis, who's a rookie, and he's intriguing, but um, it's going to be an uphill battle for Well, potentially. I mean, 
with the lack of resources there, I mean, he, he might be starting from day one, though. I don't think that's probably going to happen. I think they're probably going to try and scale back his snaps at least to start the season. Sure. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, I, I'm probably expecting Ebukam to start at the other spot, even though I personally wouldn't go that route. I think it's more, um, I think it's worth more to try and explore what Okoronko or Lewis might offer in terms of having more untapped potential as sure. opposed to Ebukam, who I, th- I think we know what he is at this point. And he doesn't look like a guy who's really ever going to be a double digit sack guy or anything like that. But um, like you said, they made it work in 2018. And anytime you do have Aaron Donald in the middle, he's going to amplify whoever's playing around him. Now sure. it's a shame obviously, because you know, he's getting triple teamed every other snap and none of these guys are winning as often as they should be. And that's dating back to the last few years. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is the route that the Rams chose and, Obviously, they have limited money and limited resources and limited draft picks, especially. So they have to make it work with whoever they got. And it's an intriguing group, I guess. But there definitely is a lot of question marks there for sure. I think probably Leonard Floyd has one spot nailed down and the other spot's really going to be up for grabs. And um, I don't know who's going to step up and grab it. I think it's going to be interesting to see who who they start out the season with. Uh, but do you think anyone has like the potential to become sort of like what Dante Fowler was last year? Maybe. I think the thing with Fowler was his run support, and that might be what does in Samson Abukam because he's been kind of a below-average run defender. I think the question mm-hmm. is, you know, Brandon Staley is a new defensive coordinator. How much does he care about that versus – you know, pure pass rush. Do, do you value a guy who's good, like a Leonard Floyd, who's going to give you run defense on first and second down, but then when you get to third and six, you got to get somebody who can bend the edge. And that's where you might get Okoronkwo or, or obviously Terrell Lewis to, to mm-hmm. get more priority and to get more opportunity than the Samson Abukam. Um, you know, obviously those two probably have the greater potential. Uh, certainly with Lewis, if he can stay healthy, his tape at Alabama is fantastic. But yeah. just, I mean, for a guy that was there as long as he was, there wasn't enough. Of it. He had too many injuries. So, you know, th- there's certainly potential there, but I don't, I don't know how we're going to organize this defense. And especially once you settle in, you know, two, three games into the season and everybody's got tape on what you're trying to do. And depending on how the secondary looks, I, I don't know how much rotation there's going to be and, and, and how many three linebacker looks. Because a lot of times last year, we were just rolling the three with Littleton and two guys on the side. Maybe that's something that, that he wants to do with either one of the inside linebackers or even Leonard Floyd. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, I believe Floyd has taken some snaps at inside linebacker in the past. And so, I mean, they do have the versatility, I guess, to kind of kick guys around and move them around and stuff like that. But um, it's Especially with be- the safeties, right? Because you can, you can always bring in yeah. safeties and, and screw with the linebackers and just kind of almost like the running back, see who has the hot hand and just kind of ride them almost week to week. Yeah, that's very true. I think obviously the whole defense, especially like you mentioned, the safety position too, is going to kind of allow Brandon Staley to match up maybe differently on a week-to-week basis. Um, But coming up, when we return, Joe and I will discuss all of the upcoming free agents, and there's a whole lot of them coming, um, and we're going to highlight which are probably the most important to re-sign and kind of just go down the list and uh, rip off some info from each guy. Make sure to check out Friday's episode when former host Brad Mater joins the show to help me answer your questions Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like I lost my mojo or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe and totally discreet with Roman. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. 
If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. Welcome back, and we left off talking about the edge rushers. And now we're going to transition to our last segment of today's show, um, and that's going to be the Rams players that are scheduled to become free agents at, at year's end. And so obviously it's going to be tough to discuss right now and really throughout the whole season because there's going to be very many variables uh, with the whole salary cap situation due to the whole COVID-19 pandemic. It's expected that the salary cap is obviously going to drop a significant amount, but we don't know yet how much or to what degree. Um, but some of the names that the Rams have scheduled to hit the free agent market are all significant. You got Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup, John Johnson, Leonard Floyd, Austin Blythe, Malcolm Brown, Troy Hill, Gerald Everett, Jake McQuaid, Josh Reynolds, Samson Ebukam, and Darius Williams, among a few others. But those are probably the most notable names and probably the most important guys in terms of starters and things like that. Kind of shocking Joe, about Jamil Demby, but okay. That's my guy. He'll be back. Don't worry. He always finds a way back. Um What's your order like in in terms of most important to least important? All right, so the most important. Let's do – you want to do your number one with me? We'll say it on three? Yeah, let's do it. Ready? One, two, three. Jalen Ramsey. Not Jake McQueen. Oh, nice. Okay. Very good. <laughs> I was going to say Jalen Ramsey, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ramsey's number one, and I, I know you don't want to deal with, you know, sunk cost fallacy, but we, we've got a first and a fourth round pick in this draft alone coming up, 2021, that is on the books because of Jalen Ramsey. You can't mm-hmm. you can't get a year and a half out of him for what we gave up and just be like, well, not worth it. You've get, I mean, it's one of those things where you've lost the leverage. You have to re-sign him. I, I don't see any way they don't do it. That's why he's number one. Yeah, one hundred percent agreed. Um, like you said, it's not the whole sun cost fallacy, but it's hard to ignore at the end of the day. I mean, there's two first round picks in that guy plus more, and he plays the second most important position outside of quarterback. And he might be the best player at his position, like maybe not on a year-to-year basis in terms of last year. But when you look at his whole body of work, I mean, yeah, I think most people would say that he probably is the best corner since he came uh, into the NFL. So um, what do, who do you got at number two? Come on, let's do it again. This one's easy. One, two, three. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. Yeah. There you go. Yep. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. He's a year younger than Robert Woods. He's very versatile. Doesn't have a huge injury history, although the ACL is worrisome. But he bounced back last year, and, you know, he's got a great rapport uh, with Jared Goff. He's a great part of the offense. Uh, that one seems easy, too. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add there. Stud, uh, really important player on third downs. Really team-first kind of guy. Good run he's blocker. Not good run blocker. He's the whole package. I don't think you can really argue about that one there. Uh, why don't we hop on to number three? Here this we go. is where this, it really gets yep, interesting, I think. Yep. Yeah, I guarantee we're going to disagree. Here's unless unless you want to go woke and you surprise me because I did. Here's my number three. Ready? It's okay. Troy Hill. I knew you weren't going to go with who I went, which, yep. which was John Johnson. Yeah, no, see, so yeah, I got John Johnson way lower. We'll get to that. But no, Troy Hill, man. And here's why. The Rams, for, for the first time in a couple years, don't have the depth at cornerback that they've had. And part of the reason why is because that depth always centered around Troy Hill. And so now that they've bumped him up across from Jalen Ramsey, and you saw at the end of last year when, when we brought Ramsey on, teams were trying to attack him because, obviously, if you're going into a game with Jalen Ramsey on one side and you want to establish your pass, you don't throw Jalen Ramsey, especially when you got Troy Hill on the field. But what did he do? He acquitted himself. He played really well. I saw, what list was it early on that had him as one of the top 25 cornerbacks in the league? I forget who it was, but 
that's how well he played last year. He put himself into that kind of conversation. And for a guy that may not have a huge market, I can see him being right behind Ramsey and Cup as the most valuable guy to resign. I definitely see what you're saying, um, and I don't want to go ahead of myself here, but I do have him ranked at fourth, right behind John Johnson. Now, I know what you're saying. Uh, the Rams got way more depth at safety, so John Johnson yeah. is probably not as important. So I get what you're saying there. If if he was lost, I don't think it would be as big of a loss as a starting corner. Right. But uh, I think John Johnson is just like one of those up and coming budding stars, and For so sure. I would I would hate to watch him leave, but. You know, that's how the game goes. And then I'll just go into my fourth, which, was, like I said, was Troy Hill. Um, and, yeah, like you said, pretty much everything the same. I mean, he's not exactly a name guy. He's not, you know, really going to excite anyone. But he just plays good. And now he's not as consistent as you want him to be. But, I mean, he's shown some really damn good play. And uh, it's earned him a starting job for, like, a couple of years now. And he's bounced in and out, in and out kind of thing. But, again, here we go. Another season with Troy Hill starting a cornerback. And I – feel relatively comfortable with about it too because he'll really showed out last year and I don't even think it's a stretch to say that he might have played better than Jalen Ramsey obviously he was guarding you know the lesser receiver and had more help coming his way and all that stuff but uh his play has been uh, relatively consistent and I mean he's shown the ability to play so I'm not too worried about him there yeah um, here's, here's what you have to think about if, if we lose Troy Hill and you replace him either in free agency or the draft you're going to get the same effect where whoever replaces Troy Hill is going to get thrown at week one, 2021. And I probably feel a little bit more nervous about a hypothetical player X there than I do Troy Hill. Yeah, I agree. I mean, anytime, like you said, Jalen Ramsey's on on the field, you're probably going to want to go the opposite way. And so, you know, that's just how it works uh, when you got a shutdown corner, I guess. Um, Who do you got at number four? Because I I just threw mine. Yep, I got John Johnson at five. And so here, here, you talked about the idea of all the depth that we have at safety now. That we've even added in the draft. You know, we keep adding more and more defensive backs, more safeties, and it keeps working out. Credit to Les Snead and the rest of the scouting staff. They've done a great job, continue to fill out the secondary with a lot of talent. But there's one area where they've struggled to get talent, and that's on the offensive line. That's why my number four is Austin Blythe. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously played much better after he moved to center. I think this is going to be one of those things where we got to validate it in 2020. But I, I could see the case being made that Austin Blythe is the Rams' center of the future, if only because – if, if, if he plays well enough this year, you don't want to roll the dice on, an, on another guy to try to come in and fill that spot. Look what happened with Brian Allen. Look at what happened if you go back to the three-way search that they did prior to John Sullivan uh, with Tim Barnes and Barrett Jones, Demetrius Rainey. That's a, tough, that's a tough position to get right, and the Rams have struggled at it for a long time. Uh, John Sullivan came in and got some veteran leadership there, even though he was the weakest part of that line. But now it looks like they might have gotten a guy in Austin Blythe. Uh, and, and if he plays well enough this season, I could totally see him being more valuable to what the Rams are trying to do moving forward than John Johnson is. Not, not saying that Austin Blythe is better, but just more valuable given the situation. Yeah, I hear you. I got Blythe actually at fifth, which is pretty much similar. Um, and yeah, nothing really too different from what you said. Like you said, obviously the offensive line is a problem. I think the interior offensive line is a genuine issue and um, while I don't think Blythe is the best center or the best player in the NFL, uh, I do th- still think he's like leaps and bounds better than the two guards that are playing next to him. And I think that if the situation was different and they had two Roger Saffold level esque players next to him, then he might look even better. And so, um, yeah, it's been kind of up and down with the whole offensive line thing. And so Blythe is right there with me. Um, why don't you go just rattle through uh six through 10 and then we'll compare. I see. I didn't do a six through 10, but I can, I can do one kind of moving forward. I'll give you a random okay. six. I know this again is mm-hmm. a little wokey, but it's one of those things where you just talk about the lack of a second guy there. Jake McQuaid, man, he's done this for a long time. He's now the longest tenured Ram and 
as as consistent as he's been, he's as unpopular as he is because he does his job right. Right? When, when was the yeah. last time Jake McQuaid screwed up? Has he ever? Has he ever? I don't actually think he has one time in his entire career. You know what I mean? So it's one of those things where uh, you probably want to keep doing that as long as he's willing to do it and as long as he keeps it up. I, I get it. He's what thirty four now, I think, but. Who cares? He's a long snapper. As long as he keeps doing yeah. it, that's the kind of thing that you what drop a mill on. Yeah, something like that. So I, I could see McQuaid being six. Who you got at six? I have Leonard Floyd there, but that's obviously a projection with sure. him not even taking a snap yet. I think probably you know the whole edge rusher position being really weak uh, probably pushes him up there. Even though I don't think he's the best player on earth. Um, yeah, so I got Floyd there, but. Uh, for me, I kind of just ranked them, and these are all relatively interchangeable, but. I went to, for the rest, I just went Darius Williams at seven, Gerald wow. Everett at eight. I was going to say, where's young Gerald? You got all the way to eight for Gerald. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I wanted to bump him up because I think he probably has the most untapped potential out of everyone on this list uh, other than those first three. But, uh, you know, obviously they got Tyler Higby in place sure. and they drafted Bryson Hopkins, which sure. kind of feels like a Gerald Everett replacement. But, um, yeah, I got Everett at eight, and then Ebucom at nine, Ren- Josh Reynolds at 10, Jake McQuaid at 11, and Mac Brown at 12. Um yeah. And so Ebucom, like, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, he's just not really hit a ceiling yet. Uh, Josh Reynolds, why I think he's actually a good player in a low key, like uh, could be a starter for a lot of teams in the NFL. The Rams are obviously well stocked at wide receiver. And I wouldn't even be shocked if at some point Van Jefferson is starting over Reynolds uh, at, you know, down the line this season. Um, And then, like you said, Jake McQuaid is on there. You know, he's a little bit lower because he's just a long snapper, but. At the end of the day, I, I'm being honest. I've watched every Rams game since he came and took over for Chris Massey, and I don't think he's messed up one single snap. Yeah. I could be wrong. It might be like one or two, but I'm quite certain that there was not one. And lastly, obviously, is Malcolm Brown. I mean, he's a running back, and he's a kind of an undrafted free agent plotter. And so, you know, he's relatively replaceable for me there. But this is a long list, and there's there, a lot and, of good players. You know, it's, it's long, and there's two guys you left out that I think are interesting. Number one is Johnny Munt. He's is mm-hmm. is he the Rams' primary blocking tight end? I know we just drafted Bryson Hopkins, but is you know we went to that twelve formation to end the year last year, and Munt got a lot of work, and he wasn't bad at his. I mean, it's a really specific role, but I wouldn't be surprised if Munt gets even more football this year than he did the last two years. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah, if they intend to kind of move towards more twelve personnel, and I guess don't see Gerald Everett as somebody who's going to stick around and they want to kind of run block, then, yeah, it would probably make more sense to plug in a guy like Munt. But um, for me, I think they're probably going to want to look for more uh, athletic and and, uh, pass game weapon kind of tight ends. And I think that kind of is signaled by Gerald Everett and then the whole Bryson Hopkins thing. And so um, I think Munt is going to be replaceable. But like you mentioned, I mean, he stepped in at the end of last season, kind of just like tossed into the fire. And, I mean, he performed well. He did good. Wasn't bad. Here's another one, and I, I get it again. Not uh, you know your top of the roster ranking guy, but he's somebody who got snaps and is probably going to get some to start the year, depending on how they organize the inside linebackers. Is Traven Howard? By all reports, he's he's continuing to run with the ones on defense, and he's going to be yep. stuck in the middle. I know everybody wants to see Micah Kaiser just because he's you know the grass is always greener candidate, but Howard's getting snaps, man. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being the 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 main guy as an inside linebacker. Depending on Leonard Floyd, we got to see what happens there. But I wouldn't be surprised if Traven Howard's kind of our ILB one. I'm honestly expecting him to start at some point. Yeah. Uh, and I hope it's right out of the gate because Traven Howard is a guy who I really liked uh, coming out of the college after they drafted him. I watched uh, a good amount of tape on him. And I know he's a safety convert and he moved to inside linebacker. But I think his skill set is best suited to replace a guy like Corey Littleton. I think he's best in terms of uh, 
outside, uh, like when you compare him to the rest of the inside linebackers, I we think don't he's have probably gonna be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's gonna be the best in coverage. I think he's the most aware in zone coverage. Yep. Uh, I think he's the most dynamic playmaker in coverage. And so, I mean, it's 2020. At the end of the day, your linebackers need to be able to cover. And while I'm intrigued by a guy like Micah Kaiser, he's best suited for like a similar role to what Alec Ogletree played a few years ago in terms of, yep. you know, early down thumping. And then if you want on third down, you can kind of blitz him. But he's not really going to be an elite coverage linebacker where I think Howard actually possesses some potential to stick on third downs. And, you know, if they want to sub out a guy in favor of like a safe, a third safety on third down, I think that would probably be best. The only other thing I, the guy I'd throw in there, and I wish we had the preseason to kind of a see how he played and then b see how they want to use him is kind of the opposite of leonard floyd leonard floyd's an outside guy that they're kind of pushing in was natras patrick right played inside in college of georgia they they ran him on the edge last year in the preseason i, I would have liked to see how they used him he could have been an interesting candidate they could have thrown inside if they wanted to he's got that same kind of versatility where he's almost like alec ogletree he's a little bit too much inside to play outside all the time and he's a little bit too out, outside to play like a mark Barron type yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean, he was very fun to watch in the uh, preseason of last last year. Um, like you said, they moved him outside, and he actually flashed a little bit out there. Now, I don't think he could live out there, uh, you know, all all the time, but um, he definitely was interesting, and I think he probably would have been drafted if it wasn't for some off field stuff. But uh, he's definitely another name that you know might stick around, and and we'll see how kind of things go when uh, the season starts. If he's on the roster, then he's definitely got a shot to make his name there because. The whole linebacker core across the board is going to be a wild competition, right? That's Um, one way to put it. That's nice. Yeah. Make sure uh, to check back in with us on Friday to hear myself and former host Brad Mater answer your mailbag questions. Uh, Just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter. You can find me at QB's MVP. You can find Joe at 3K underscore. And you can find the page at Lockdown Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more. 